Welcome to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume Rx, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self-discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. It's Amanda, your host. So happy to have you here. And I have a question for you. Did you know that in the average nursing education, there is fewer than three hours of education about LGBTQ plus patient-centered care? Did you know that? Maybe you did because you were one of the folks who, who really got that amount or less in your nursing education. Or maybe you didn't realize that because you're one of the lucky few who got a fair amount more. Well, today on the podcast, I am so excited to bring to you Shannon Whittington, who is a nurse and subject matter expert in LGBTQ health. And we are talking all about how to become an ally for LGBTQ patients, how to provide patient-centered care, gender-affirming care. And this is really a great topic. This may or may not be something that you are familiar with, but we're hoping that it's something that you're open to hearing about because the truth is the LGBTQ population is everywhere. They are our patients. They are coming to us regularly, whether we realize it or not. And it is really our duty to make sure that healthcare, the healthcare environment, and the world in general, frankly, is a safe space. So that's what this episode is about. I hope that you will be excited to learn more. We are going to just really scratch the surface about this topic. And at the end of the episode, Shannon will share where you can learn more from her and some resources where you can further your education on this topic. And Shannon is phenomenal. Uh, like I said, she's a nurse educator. She's a certified speaker. She's a best-selling author. And she has really carved out a space for herself in this very much needed topic area of LGBTQ patient-centered care and inclusion. So I'm very excited to introduce her to all of you. So without further ado, introducing Shannon Whittington. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to the show. Hello, Amanda. I'm delighted to be here today. Likewise. I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I've been following you. We've been connected for a while on LinkedIn. And so I've been following you and your content for a while. So it's such a, a pleasant treat to have you here to speak with my listeners. So I'd love to dive right into you kind of introducing yourself in your own words. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, thanks for following me. Remember when that used to be bad? <laughs> <laughs> This guy is following me. Help, help. Now it's like I've been following you and it's like, woo, really? <laughs> so thank you for following me. My name is Shannon Whittington. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I identify as a cisgender gay woman. I am a clinical nurse educator, a keynote speaker, in-person and virtual. 
And I have a consulting company where I teach clinicians how to provide LGBTQ person-centered care. And I also teach corporate how to have LGBTQ inclusion in the workplace. I'm an author. My book is like almost done. It's like scary to say that. And I, um, you know, I just really love um, what I do. I have a niche market, so to speak, where I teach nurses how to take care of transgender patients after they undergo gender affirming surgery. So it's all under the queer umbrella of LGBTQ with a few little sparks of specialty in between. So I love it. I, I think this is an important topic for us to discuss because surprisingly or not surprisingly, this is not a topic or a clinical area that is standard in nursing curriculum these days. I remember when I was in school 10, 11 years ago, we had a couple of days about LGBTQ care, uh, and there was maybe some introduction to transgender care and hormone therapy as providers, but it was very much peripheral. So I'm so glad that you are in this arena and here to share your knowledge with us. Okay. So you had a couple of days. The average nurse gets a couple of hours. So I want to know those couple of days that you had, was that in your advanced practice curriculum or in your undergrad curriculum? It was in my advanced practice curriculum. And specifically, I'm a women's health nurse practitioner, women's health and adult. So I think that the days that I had were specific to my women's health didactic training. That's pretty cool because I have to say you're like one of the very few nurses that I've met because I get nursing students every semester, right, from Ivy League to no league. And I always ask them, hey, did you get any education in this area? And nine times out of 10, they say no. So research says to us that the average nurse gets around 2.12 hours of education. This is a study conducted by LIM all across the country. And uh, what was interesting in the study is that there were some deans. Now, this is 2016, so it's like five years. Maybe it's gotten better. But there were some deans of nursing colleges that said, no, we don't have this curriculum and we see no need for it. Meanwhile, there's nearly 10 million LGBTQ plus people in the United States alone, a little bit more than the size of New Jersey, uh, 1.7 million of whom are transgender. And that means that we're everywhere. Yes. And guess what? We seek health care just like straight people. But imagine going to get health care and your health care provider not knowing how to take care of you. So that's why I'm going to change the world around this, Amanda, and change how health care is delivered to us because it's such a need. And, and being a gay woman myself, like just some of my own experiences as a patient, like I'm gay. Why do I need a pregnancy test? You know, how <laughs> yeah. many pregnancy tests did I have to take? Well, I'm gay, so I don't think I'm pregnant. Well, just to be sure. And I'm like, why don't you take a pregnancy test? Well, I can't be pregnant. I'm, I'm a guy. Well, I, I'm a girl. I don't sleep with guys. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not pregnant. And this is what I had to deal with all throughout my child bearing years. Thanks. Goodness. I have since aged out of that, <laughs> but I still <laughs> experience discrimination from sure. healthcare providers uh, as a gay woman. You know, I have to 
uh, decide in a blink of an eye if I tell my healthcare practitioner that I'm gay or not, if I tell my GYN that I'm gay or not. I don't know how they're going to react. Right. You know, so uh, that's that's a real problem, I think, that I'm glad we're talking about this here on your show. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, before we get into some tips and content for listeners, I want to know a little bit more about kind of how you ended up in this niche. Is it fair to say that it came out of personal experience or I'd love to know kind of your your nursing journey where you started and how it brought you to this point? Well, I'll be completely honest with you. I've worked in cardiology, transplants, dermatology, home care, and I just never thought that I would have career satisfaction because it never happened, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just thought well, that's just part of being a nurse, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's a thankless job, but you get your reward from helping your patients mostly, right? right. Um, I had to like make peace with that. and. About five years ago, my boss at the time said, hey, they're doing these gender surgeries over the hospital and they want us to uh, partner with them to take care of these patients after they come home. So go over there and check it out. Now, I was a new manager at the time trying to impress my boss. So of course you say yes. I didn't have the kind of boss you say no to. I went over there and started going to these lectures, never thinking in a million years that saying yes to my boss would change the trajectory of my career, but also my life and personally. I mean, I never thought I would start my own consulting company. I never thought I would be, you know, consulting with these big companies, banks and dental practices and, you know, any kind of store or whatever. And, but once I started learning about this, I kept thinking, you know, this nurses don't know about this. I mean, if I don't know, Maybe my colleagues don't know. And I asked them and they didn't know. And I think the kicker was when I I received an award from the Home Care Association of New York for quality and innovation for this work with gender affirming surgeries. And uh, I remember after I accepted my award, this group of people just kind of congregated around me like nurse leaders. And everyone was trying to talk to me about what I was doing. And I was sitting with my colleague and she said, Shannon, you should, you should start your own consulting business. And I thought, whoa, you know, of course the CEO was right there. So I didn't talk about that much at the time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but uh, just recognizing the lack of knowledge that we have and how I want to fill this gap in knowledge. And, you know, I'm in my doctorate program now and uh, just trying to get research, Amanda, for, a cultural competence tool for transgender patients. You've got LGBT tools, but everybody has their own tool. There's not a standardized tool. Right. Everybody's made up their own. And that just further contributes to the fragmentation that this population receives, unfortunately. Yeah. That's probably yeah, I, a long answer to no, <laughs> it's question. Just, no, it's great. I, I think that, you know, this is what spearheads change, right? Like, thought leaders like yourself recognizing, okay, there is a big problem. There's a big gap. How do we remedy this? And and you kind of have to start somewhere. And unfortunately, like this is a fairly recent body of literature, it sounds like, if you can even, even call it that in terms of cultural competency across these populations and, and kind of 
segments and intersections of populations within within the community. It it, it really does. And, you know, one thing I've learned is that you have to be okay with being unpopular. Mm. You know, now you said you've been following me on LinkedIn. Listen, I did not, you know, think in a million years that I was going to be the LGBT, you know, gay woman on LinkedIn. I didn't. I wasn't out on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were down in Florida one day and I said, babe, I'm going to I'm going to record a video on the balcony. And she's like, go ahead. And I started recording these videos, which got no engagement, by the way. Actually, three. Two I asked for and one was myself. Okay, now I'm like, I've got, I've got all these followers and stuff. But that's like how it started. Like everyone's bad in the beginning, right? And then one day, I just kind of alluded to gay. Just a little bitty hint of it. And I noticed that the engagement went up. And I noticed that the more I talked about it, the more engagement went up. So I didn't like just one day on LinkedIn and say, hey, LinkedIn, I'm gay, you know, like Ellen on her show many years ago. <laughs> I, didn't do, I didn't do that, but I just started posting things about this and no one was posting about this on LinkedIn, at least not in my feed. Like I didn't see it. This was before people were putting their pronouns. This was before people were putting flags. This was before DNI was really big. And did I get some hate? You betcha. You betcha. I even had a nurse, like a nurse. CEO, like C-suite kind of nurse asked me to stop doing what I was doing. Wow. And I thought to myself, you're the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. You know, so I think whenever you think about change, cultural change within organizations, cultural shifts, you got to be willing to be unpopular. And I got made fun of a lot. People were calling me transgender. I didn't care. People on the platform asked me, am I transgender? I don't care if they asked me that or not. I don't care if you think I'm trans. I really don't. You know, are you a lesbian? I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me. What I really want to do is just give you the information. It's up to you if you want it or if you don't. Because one thing I do know for sure, I have yet, unless you're living under a rock, right? I have yet to meet a person who has not been impacted by someone from this community. Sure. Either their kid is gay, their kid's best friend is trans, someone's non-binary, someone's coming out, somebody's husband, wife left them for their same-sex partner. I haven't met a person yet. So this tells me that we are everywhere. We're in your communities, we're in your schools, we're on your playgrounds. And yes, we're in your places of worship. Okay, I'm faith-based. We're in your places of worship. We're everywhere. So We are just going to grow. It's not like all of a sudden there's all these gay people or all these trans people. No, we've always been here. It just hasn't been safe for us. And we still have to think about safety. I think, you know, the the challenge that I see is people have to be nurses. If we're talking about nurses being educated as as a group, nurses have to first be open to receive the information right? Like it's kind of, I'm drawing a parallel to, you know, diversity and inclusion education, anti-racism education. Like you first have to be at this readiness stage to receive the information. So I'm I'm curious, is there a way that you can tell when, when someone is going to receive the information or is it kind of you present 
the problem and the people who are ready to receive can move forward with the education? Like, what are your thoughts on that and how does that work? Well, there's a lot of theories about uh, implementation of new information, right? Rogers Diffusion of Theory talks about that, the laggers, the early adopters. And listen, that's that's true, right? I can tell you when I first started, like I've been doing this work for six years. I'm in the last part of my career. I know that. And so if it took this long for me to, to get career satisfaction, then fantastic. I'd rather have it now, right? Because I end out on a high, right? You leave, mm-hmm. you leave the network when your show is number one, right? So I'm like really, really excited. But one of the things I'm learning in my project now is one of the biggest things with this is nurses and their unconscious bias, Yes, right? Their unconscious bias. So when I first started, I had to beg nurses to take the training. I heard things from like, I don't take care of those kind of patients. Oh, I don't agree with that. My religion doesn't agree with that. And I was literally pulling teeth to get nurses to take this training. Now, we even got to the point where we had to mandate something, voluntold them, so to speak. People don't like being voluntold anything, right? So they come in with their arms crossed, you know, the neck is rolling, the lip is poked out, you know, not happy. But I always say to them at the beginning, I'm not trying to convert any of y'all. You can think whatever you want to think. It's a free country. Think whatever you want to think. Not trying to convert you, but I am trying to alert you. And the alert is, we're not going away. We're your patients. And when I go into the social determinants of this population, when I go into the healthcare disparities with this population, when I go into the violence, especially mm-hmm. in trans people, right? What do we have now? About 50 murders so far. Haven't kept yeah. up with that lately. Last time I checked, it was like 44. Just being trans, walking out your door, walking while trans is what they call it. A lot of the nurses, I can just see them start to melt that bias away. And let me tell you something, clinical transformation gets me high. I don't have to smoke a joint. That gets me high Mm -hmm. because that nurse is finally like open. Their eyes are open. Their heart is open. I've had, I had a nurse, let me tell you, this is the best story ever. I had a nurse, amazing nurse, like one of our top percent nurses, top 1%. I kept saying, can you, you know, come to the train? No, 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 Shannon. I don't believe in that. I'm sorry. I don't, I'll do anything for you, Shannon, but I won't do that. Just like that song. I won't do that. And a year would pass. I would ask her again. One day took about three years. She came over to me and she said, Shannon, you know, I've been thinking about that training that you're doing and let's be clear. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it, but I'm a nurse, Shannon. And I should be able to take care of any patient, no matter what their diagnosis is. When's the next training? So she comes to the training. She's in tears by the end of the training. I get the best testimonial video ever, besides the sound sucked, but I got the best testimonial video ever. She gets a patient right away, like the next week. And the next thing you know, she comes over again. She says, Shannon, I get it. I get it. She should have been a girl. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And now she's one of the top nurses in caring for these patients. She gets letters written about her, everything, because she's so wonderful. So sometimes, you know, we don't know what we don't know, do we, Amanda? We don't. I am a part of this population, knew nothing about transgender anything. 
you know, and then I'm just learning all this stuff. And what happens is like, I get asked to speak all over the country, right? Sometimes about LGBT stuff and sometimes about other things that I talk about, like kindness and leadership, which is another podcast we can do, right? Another day. But people will always come up to me afterwards and they'll say, oh my God, we know nothing about this. I didn't realize it, but we know nothing about this. Can you come and talk to my organization? I'm like, sure, sure. So it's, you know, I feel like I'm on a one woman show here, but who knows? Sky is the yeah. limit, honey. Sky is the limit. For sure. For sure. And that's what I, you know, that transformation that you were just speaking of, of that nurse, that's what I really would like to happen to more nurses because I see and hear the bias as well. And, you know, for a profession that's the most trusted profession, how many years in a row now, there's still some unacceptable biases uh, that that we witness. And, you know, the people who are eager to learn and eager to be inclusive are probably seeking out training on their own. But it's kind of like, how do we how do we catch the people who just don't know what they don't know? Like you said. Hey friend, you may or may not be job seeking right now, but if you are, or you will be in the future, I'm popping in to let you know about my most popular offer, the Nurse Resume Template Bundle. This is a digital download product that includes six beautifully designed resume and cover letter templates for both the experienced and new grad nurse or NP. You deserve to have a resume and cover letter that really showcases exactly why you are the perfect person for the job. So never again lose out on the opportunity to interview because your resume got lost in the stack. When you purchase the nurse resume template bundle, you'll also get access to three really essential bonuses that I created for you. My credential organization system, a job application tracking system, and the most asked for resource, an ATS video explaining what the heck the ATS is. <laughs> and it also includes two really friendly additional templates that are super ATS friendly. Okay. So you can learn more about this and you can purchase the nurse resume template bundle for just $37 at theresumerx.com slash offer. That's theresumerx.com slash O-F-F-E-R. Now back to the episode. So uh, I would love to kind of present a small bag of tricks, if you will, uh, places that some of my listeners can start in terms of making sure that they're providing really, you know, LGBTQ-centered care, whether they're nurses or nurse practitioners. So I would love if you kind of have some, some wisdom to impart on us. Oh, yes, Absolutely. All right, so I, I hate to uh, draw the line with age here, but it is, I mean, let's see. I would say for baby boomers, it might be a little bit harder for us, mm. you know, asking about pronouns. We didn't grow up with that. Uh, what do you mean? What's my pronoun? It's, it's she or he. What other pronoun is there? So those are the people that are harder to convert, so to speak, Uh a lot of times, or their kids, you know, they'll say, my kid taught me, so I'm cool with it. I have nurses that do that too. The younger the nurses, usually the more they get it, you know, like when I'm doing training, I, I had a manager one time say, oh, she's a new nurse. I don't think she's ready. And I was like, how old is she? She's mm -hmm. like, oh, she's like 25. I'm like, she's ready. 
because she probably already knows, probably has already taken care of some of these patients and probably has no problem with it. It's those of, those of us who are like kind of set in our ways, like me, you know, I was in that bucket. I have to say, didn't know what I didn't know. So the first thing that we can do is start with ourselves, really be the change that you want to see. You see something that's not right. Say something, do something. And if you're a hiring manager as a nurse, you're a hiring manager, who are you hiring? Are you hiring people like us? Are you hiring non-binary people? Are you hiring trans people? Because guess what? There's trans nurses. There's queer nurses. There's gender non-conforming nurses. Do you think they're not a cultural fit for your organization? Let me tell you something. Organizations who have a more diverse workforce make better decisions 87% of the time. This is from Forbes.com, you know, not from a scholarly (laughs) journal, but from Forbes.com. 87% of the time. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to make better decisions 87% of the time. Here's the the thing. We think outside the box, okay? Mm -hmm. Me thinking outside the box at my company got us a $3.4 million grant from the National Institute of Health because I thought outside the box. Me thinking outside the box got our company $200,000 from city council funding because I thought outside the box. These are like some of the largest grants the company's ever received. Thinking outside the box. But then we represent some of the patients that we serve. So the first thing is really being the change that you want to see, being an ally. You know, if, if you see something that just doesn't look or sound right, or you see somebody discriminating against someone based on orientation, open your mouth. You know, don't just sit there and let it slide because you know it's not right. You know, and when you have a patient that's coming to see you and we're a part of this population, we're nervous about how you're going to treat us. We don't know if you're going to discriminate against us or say something kind of off the cuff. You know, when we first started, you know, I told you about the, the pregnancy test, right? So I thought I was infarcting. This was back when Whitney Houston had recently passed away. And I was like, oh my God, we were around the same age. And I was like, oh, maybe I have heart, you know? And then it runs in my family too. So one day for sure, I think I'm having an MI and I take the bus to the ER. (laughs) It's New York. I take the bus (laughs) and I get in there and I, you know, they put a halter on me and stuff and they want a pregnancy test. And I'm like, but I'm gay. I don't need a pregnancy test. And the physician says to me, when was the last time you slept with a man? And I said to him, when was the last time you slept with a man? Hmm. And he said, oh, I'm straight. I don't sleep with men. I said, oh, I'm gay. I don't sleep with men either. And I thought to myself, okay, am I going to argue about this pregnancy test or just do it so that, you know, my treatment can continue? So I did it, but I, you know, I had to do that way too often. So you really got to meet the patient where they are, listen to them, be open to them and don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. It's like the four agreements. That's one of them, right? Don't assume anything. You don't know. You don't know who that person is partnering with. You don't know what's between the hips. You don't, you don't know what the pronoun is. You think you do, but you don't. And it's not what you see or what you think it should be is what they tell you it is. 
So like if I tell you right now, you're looking at me, my hair is down, I got makeup on, sound like a girl, and I tell you my pronouns are he and him, address me as he and him. Shannon mm-hmm. can be a genderless name, really. It can be a guy's name, can be a girl's name. Those are a few little ways to show your support for yeah. us. So I think that maybe a hurdle for some people is, well, I don't want to assume anything so... So how do I ask? How do I ask if I'm not really comfortable or I've never asked this before? Do I just come out and say, come out and ask, what are your pronouns? What is the best way to approach kind of this language conversation barrier that I think a lot of people may experience? Ah, that's a really good question. So, you know, at the beginning of the the, uh, hour, I said, my name is Shannon and my pronouns are she and her. So one of the first things you can do when you go in to see a patient is say, Hey, my name's Amanda. My pronouns are she and her. What's yours? Patient's going to be happy that you asked that question. They're going to relax. You're going to see their shoulders go down and they're going to tell you their pronoun. And then the next question is, how would you like to be addressed? Because if you're dealing with a patient that might be transitioning, the you know insurance card or driver's license may not reflect the gender that they are expressing. So if you see the uh, insurance card as Sammy, right, and they're telling you their name is Sandy, obviously you're going to have to bill in Sammy, right, because things haven't been changed. But if you ask, how would you like to be addressed, the patient's going to say, Sandy, my pronouns are she and her. How do you identify Sandy? I identify as female. I identify as a trans female. I identify as gay. I identify as non-binary. You know, it could be... Listen, the list is very, very long, but just asking those questions. And the more you ask them, I have to tell you, the more you get used to them. Like I said, I'm a baby boomer. We didn't grow up asking those questions. Now, I would not ask a senior patient what their pronoun is. They're going to be looking, looking at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean? What? You know? <laughs> so you got to use your nursing skills, your nursing assessment. We just kind of know stuff intuitively. I think that's how nursing is. But you, you just can't assume, even when I'm on podcast or I have people DMing me or I talk to them, you can't always tell by the voice. You know, I just always ask. And if you're afraid of making a mistake and misgendering them, which means that I told you my pronouns were he and you keep calling me she, that's misgendering. That's a big offense, right? Here in New York, if you keep doing that, you can get fined a quarter of a million dollars. So it's it's serious here. Here's what you do. You make a mistake, right? You, you tell me your pronouns are she, her, and I keep calling you he. And then you say, my pronouns are she, her, Shannon. I say, thank you for correcting me. I didn't mean to misgender you. And then keep the conversation moving. Don't harp on that for the next 10 minutes. I don't want to talk to you about you messing up my pronoun for the next 10 minutes. I just want you to give me something for my cough so I can go home. <laughs> right. You know, keep the conversation. Right. I think moving. that's a good point. That's a good point too. You know, don't, uh, along the lines of not assuming, not assuming that every conversation then needs to be centered around any sort of gender discussion. If they come to you for a, a non-gender related issue, then, you know, you don't need to necessarily search for information that's not pertinent to the reason why they're here. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yes. I'm not coming to you because I'm gay. 
Okay, I'm coming to you because I have a cough. I just happen to be gay, but I'm really here because I have a cough. I don't want to talk about being gay. I want to talk about what you're going to give me for my cough. Like meet the patient where they are and what's important to them, why they're coming to see you. And then maybe as advanced nurses, when you probably have a lot of advanced nurse practitioners listening to you, then it might go into something more. Can you write my hormones? Can you write a letter for me? Those kind of things. Or I've had my surgery and what's my follow-up? What do I need to look out for now going down the line? I've done all my gender affirming surgeries. So, and then, you know, let's be clear, every trans person doesn't have surgery. Some of them have one, some have none, some have all, some have a few. You know, we're not going to be asking, are you going to get that surgery? Are you going to do this surgery? Are you going to do that surgery? When did you know you were transgender? When did you know you were? No, 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 no. I'm not going to ask those kind of questions. Don't ask any question you would want anybody asking you. That's how I look (laughs) at that, you know? Exactly. And I think this is a good point to say, you know, for someone who has or hasn't had surgery, that may impact, you know, as a, let's say you're a primary care nurse practitioner, and you want to make sure that your patient is set up with the appropriate screening, Mm -hmm. different types of cancer screenings, you know, that's a conversation to have where it's relevant to know. Uh, whether there's been surgery, what type of parts there still are, so that you can have a shared discussion about, okay, how are we going to make sure that you are screened appropriately and kept safe, you know, as time goes on with, you know, with the anatomy that you that you currently have. So true. And if you have your own practice as an advanced practice nurse, and you have some some people from this population coming to see you, and they've been coming to see you, you're doing the right thing. Because we don't come back if you don't. <laughs> right. And if you do, we tell our friends, hey, Amanda was great. She didn't, you know, judge me. She, I, I wasn't discriminated against. Do you know, like, I think it's like 40% of people uh, in the queer community get discriminated against seeking health care. It makes a lot of us avoid health care. Sure. Like, every time I would move, I knew I had to find a new GYN. My gosh, I can't tell you the nerve wracking mm. experience. Do I come out? Do I not? Are they going to shove the speculum in? Because I did. I mean, just it it can just be so anxiety provoking. But if I went in to see a new provider and as a gay woman or a trans woman, and I went to see a new provider and the first thing this provider says to me is, hi, my name is Dr. Amanda, blah, blah, blah. My pronouns are she, her. What's yours? Honey, I'm in like Flynn. I'm staying. That's my doctor. <laughs> Seriously, because I'm like, oh, I can, I can relax. Like my GYN now knows, you know, and uh, so she's not going to keep asking me what kind of birth control do I use. She's not going to ask me that anymore. And I think that you know, language is really important too, and uh, practicing gender neutral language mm-hmm. and and just being aware of how many things in our language are gendered so something that i recently changed in my vernacular is rather than calling something maternity leave i call it parental leave mm, and just kind yeah. of making that shift because you know not all parents who birth babies are mothers mm-hmm. right i love uh, that you know using using the term birthing people as opposed to mothers, you know, just different areas within our healthcare vernacular that we can shift to something that's more inclusive. And and when patients hear you doing that or referring to someone with 
gender neutral pronouns because you don't actually know what their preferred pronouns are, you know, that can be a nice hint that you're a safe person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that's a good starting point of, of awareness for folks who maybe haven't been comfortable. And even something as simple as addressing a room as, hey, folks, hey, friends, as opposed to, hey, guys, hey, ladies, you know, these gendered things that are just so ingrained in, in how we how we speak. It's really, it's an interesting exercise to challenge yourself to uh, to be as gender neutral as possible. Oh, that's so true. But I mean, even if you think about some of the other languages that are really associated with gender, you know, yeah. it's not so, so much here in America, but it's still quite a bit. I mean, in New York, you used to hear in the subway, ladies and gentlemen, there is a delay on the atrium, on the up down side, you know, and now you hear, hello, everyone there is a delay on the A train uptown, you know? And I, I remember when I heard that change, I was like, wow, that's fantastic. But you still hear ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, hey guys, you know, you're leaving out quite a few people when you do that. Yeah. And we also have to get used to gender neutral pronouns. They, them, like some people I'm friends with, they their pronouns are like they, she, or they, he, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, this confuses a lot of people. And one thing that you can do, like if you're really, if it's just too much, like my wife is like, oh God, babe, that's just too much. If it's too much, just use the name. Address the person by the name. Amanda's coming to pick up her prescription. Amanda just left. Amanda left her phone. You know, that way you don't have to worry about misgendering if it's too complicated to try and you know, be more mindful. You know, um, years ago, my 19-year-old intern told me because I misgendered someone while I was teaching, you know, how great was that? And she said to me, Shannon, you just need to slow down your thinking and slow down your talking. And she said, you're making too big of a deal of it. Just, just slow it down. And it's like, you know, being more mindful, like what you're saying, Amanda, just being more mindful. So you're very like enlightened. I'm like, wow. Thank you. I, this is, I'm kind of one of those people who has always taken an interest in how inclusive can I be as a provider? I see it as my, as my duty to, to be a super safe provider for all people. That's how I am as a person. And so I think it's important that that's how I am as a nurse. And I'm, I'm hoping that I've been able to model this good behavior for other nurses so that we can get more folks who are in that kind of ready to change mentality and and kind of inch them away from their um, from their biases. So uh, that's that's why I am so excited to bring this topic to my listeners. There's obviously so so much that we could talk about, so many different paths we could go down. But I think the best thing to do right now is perhaps let people know where they can learn more in general, and then also how they could potentially learn from you or work with you for those who are interested in additional training and knowledge. Oh, thank you for that. I'm actually speaking in Long Island next week at a, like a a hemodialysis nurse convention. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So I do a lot of that. I would say the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. And it's just my name, Shannon Whittington. You can DM me there. I'm always on LinkedIn because that's my primary platform. 
And then my website, um, Shannon Whittington Consulting, and I have a YouTube channel that explains a lot of things about LGBTQ also. Awesome. And uh, like I said, I have a, a book coming out really soon, LGBTQ ABCs for grownups, pretty much a very like one-on-one for straight people who might be a little bit clueless, uh, just explaining the flags and the colors and the letters and you know, the pronouns and what does that mean? It's a really, really short read. So if you want to know about that, I can uh, just DM me your email address and I will put you on the pre uh, sales or promotion, sometimes a promotion list for that. Um, but that's, yeah, I, I am in the process of developing a program for every healthcare provider. Uh, we're still in the, you know, recording stages and doing the content for that, but that's going to be made available because it's just so needed. It really is. And, yeah. you know, I'm starting to get requests for that. So that was going to be my other question. Like, is there a go-to organization that has continuing education in these topic areas? Or is that still a big gap? Is there no kind of like flagship place that you can go to learn about this content area? Well, there's the Human Rights Commission, you know, that has a lot of information. But specifically for nurses, there are a few places, but I don't know of like, a flagship. So I think it's going to be mm-hmm. I think it's going to have yeah. to be yours, right? <laughs> I'm partnering with a great uh, gay nurse named Damien. And uh, we are uh, organizing the Queer Nurse Institute specifically for that. Ooh, yeah. That sounds really great. That sounds... Sounds like when that's all up and running, we'll have you back so that we can talk specifically about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to come back. And I just want to thank your listeners for listening today. I hope the information that I shared with you was valuable. If you have other questions, there's no stupid questions. Just DM me your questions. I answer everybody. So ask away. Thank you so much, Shannon. <laughs> I will I will make sure that all of your your links and your your LinkedIn page and everything is linked in the show notes for today's episode so that folks can head there to connect with you. Thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.